listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Episode of the Launchpad Podcast presented by Apollo Media. I'm your host, Don Knock. You can find me on Twitter and Greenroom at Don Knock. Um, as always, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or Spotify, and follow the pod on Twitter at Apollo Launchpad, as well as the flagship Apollo HOU account. Um, joining me today, we have Apollo contributor Prodigy. Um, Prodigy, go ahead and, and intro yourself real quick. What is up, guys? It's me. I'm Prodigy at Prodigy on Twitter with a three instead of me. Um, yeah, you, you already know me, hopefully. <laughs> there you go. And making his uh, launchpad debut, we have, um, you know, Rockets Twitter uh, savant, if you will, um, Andrew Sukup. Uh, Andrew, you want to say a few words and, and introduce yourself to, to our audience real quick? Hi, everyone. Hey, Don. Hey, Prodigy. Thanks for having me on. So, yeah, hi, I'm a Rockets fan based in Houston. Uh, not born and raised here, but been here for about 25 years now. Uh, got to Houston just in time for the second Rockets championship. Literally, I moved here about two weeks before the Clyde Drexler trade. Um, so, great time. It's kind of been down, you know, not quite downhill, but we've never reached those heights again, uh, but hopefully soon. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew Sukup, A Sukup. TX, A-S-O-U-K-U-P-T-X on Twitter. Awesome. Great, great intro there. A nice little blurb. Um, and I, I did learn a little bit of your backstory from uh, the pod you did with Jackson over on uh, Locked on Rockets. So if anyone wants to see a little bit more of, of Andrew's background, you can go check that episode out. It was a little while ago, but uh, you'll probably be able to find it if you check through. I'm yeah, sure Jackson that... wouldn't mind linking for it. <laughs> it back, um, I think it was back in May we were talking about Kyrie Thomas. And Armani Brooks, I, I guess, you know, some things will never change. Uh, yeah, we, those guys may be on, uh, on the topic of today. We'll just stay tuned for that. But um, the first thing we're going to do, um, we do some summer league wrap up, a little bit on next year's rotation. A second segment, we're going to do some extension discussion and uh, talk about Armani Brooks re-signing um, on the one-year deal, as well as uh, the Gordon trade rumors we got from uh, Tim McMahon. And in the third segment, we'll talk about win total projections for next season and um, how competitive we want the Rockets to be. So starting starting uh, with Summer League, right? Um, do y'all have any closing thoughts? I know Prodigy and myself, we haven't done any Apollo content on that yet. So uh, Prodigy, I'll throw it to you first. Um, what are your thoughts on on how Summer League kind of wrapped up a little anticlimactically? But um, what do you think about those last couple of games? I mean, yeah, it, it it went downhill from from the first two games where everybody was thinking Kevin Green was the next James Harden and stuff. But I mean, the last couple of games we saw how much a team of rookies struggles when you don't have a, a primary option and someone that's going to draw a lot of attention like Kevin Green. So um, to me, I like I like to see um, the flashes of of passing that Sangun produced. I think. I think if he if he if he's, if he's given the resources to to develop that and use that at the NBA level, that would be perfect. Even though that might be unlikely due to we having like we having two centers ahead of him in Thais and Wood, 
uh, I really like his defensive fundamentals. I, I think that's not that's something only of the last two games. I think that happened throughout summer league in general. I was quite surprised by his free throw like percentage being not that great, considering he was a, a good free throw shooter uh, before the summer league uh, in Turkey. Um, and something that that worries me a little bit is how will his defense uh, like translate into the NBA because what we saw was him playing against guys that are fairly predictable and that don't have a lot of adjustments once they're in the air. So I, I wonder how, how that will translate along with the fact that NBA centers are going to be a lot more physical than anything he faced in, in summer league. So, but overall, I think I'm being a little bit of a Debbie Darren. I'm, I'm I'm kind of nitpicking what I didn't like or what I think might go wrong. But something I really did like was the fact that he wasn't scared to shoot threes. I know he made a couple, a couple of them were quite lucky with lucky bounces, but there was there were also a couple more that looked like normal in rhythm threes that didn't bounce on the rim or, or weird stuff like that. So that's definitely something to to keep an eye on. Um and yeah, I think the sky's the limit for Schengen. Hopefully he gets as many chances as, as we can give him uh, going to the NBA season. Something that uh, about Josh Christopher, um, I think what we learned the most is he's not ready to, to play in the NBA yet. I think he'll probably go to the G League and I think that will be a good thing to give him the reins there and have him learn by himself. The, the lessons that he started learning at the Summer League once Jalen Green uh, got injured and he had to play make by himself. Um, I really like this defense. I really like this mid-range game. I think that was pretty obvious. That was the, the main part of the scoring. Um, and yeah, I think I think the G League will probably be really good for him. Um, about Garuba, we didn't see too much out of Garuba. That first game was he was jet-lagged and he was really tired, so... I'm, I'm not even going to talk about that one. I think he looked good on defense one-on-one. I think he looked good off the ball. I think something really weird that I that I remember I saw was he seems to be a lot quicker to one side than it is to the other. I believe he's quicker to the right side than it is to the left. When he was defending guys on the perimeter, he was like leaving the lane open for them to drive past him. So it probably is used to recovering uh, at, uh, at the EuroLeague level, but at the NBA level with the speed that the NBA has, I'm not sure he'll be able to do that while facing both sides. Um, another thing that Garuba might struggle with a little bit that we already know is his shooting. I think his shot looks really flat, but these are these, he's, a pro, he's a project rookie, so you can't really expect him to be NBA ready just yet. And I think... We have we definitely have the time to give him to grow into the defensive monster that he can be. Yeah, um, Andrew, do you have any closing thoughts on summer league? I, I don't think you've done any pods on the first half. So if you want to kind of speak on the first half of summer league as well, feel free to you know get your thoughts out about that. Yeah, sure. On on, on summer league, I guess the first half is really all about Jalen Green, right? Um, I I'll admit I was part of the Mobley mob. Um, and I still will believe Mobley's going to be a good player, but very obviously very pleased with what Green was able to do. Um, the guy can score flat out. Um, you know, his 
far better than I than I than I had realized he was going to be. So there's no no doubt about that. He was okay on defense, uh, at least in flashes when he was locked in, as on on especially on ball. So I was pretty pleased with that. Um, and then Shengun, I personally I you know only seen a few highlights before summer league. Um, his first couple games I th- were great, and I agree with Prod about I'm very pleased with his willingness to put up threes because he's going to need to do that. He didn't make a lot of them, but his form looks reasonable. I don't see any reason why he won't be able to grow into a, a, a an average at least three point shooter, and that's going to be necessary. Um, my downside on Shengun, maybe a little bit different. Um, I think there's some warning signs about his inability to finish at the rim over people in summer league. Um, you know, when his pump fakes and head fakes and spins weren't working, he just couldn't get over anybody to finish. So I'm not sure if he's going to be able to do that or it's just summer league. And it's, that's something he's going to be able to improve upon when he gets to the regular season. But I, I, that's a bit of a warning, a, war, a warning flag for, for me with, with Shen Goon. Um, once those guys stop playing, you know, then, you know, all, all, you know, real evaluation really is hard to hard to grasp. Um, when it came to to Christopher, I think we confirmed what we know. He's really is strong on ball defense, but who can get beat? We saw lots of clips. I think uh, Itamar put some clips together about how we um, got beat quite a bit. So he's got work to do, but clearly the physical tools are there. Also, clearly he is not ready to be a playmaker in the NBA. He's got a long way to go, as Prod as Prod said. Uh, I don't even know that he should be working on that because he's got his three-point shooting um, and his defensive intelligence to work on. Um, Making Josh Christopher into a playmaker is a long-term project. I don't think that's something we really should be looking for in 2021-22 season. Um, Garuba, I think he really actually is ready to be an NBA defender. I think what we saw in Sermley, the mistakes are easily correctable. He's got the skills. Um, But I just question the shooting i mean he's going to learn to be need to be spend time in the uh in rgv to learn better how to be a rim runner um and and work on those on on his corner three so i i actually expect both christopher and garuba to spend at least the first half of the season in in the g league to both work on specific skills before they come up and really uh be part of the rotation i think it's going to be better for the team and for and for each of them in their development. And so I'm, I'd be perfectly fine with that. Yeah, so I'm going to touch on a few things that y'all spoke on there. I think the thing that impressed me more about Green, I was already very high on his scoring. Um, what impressed me was when the Pistons did get to doubling him, um, he was able to make some of the adjustments that he really needed to make pretty quickly and, you know, in a very limited sample size, right? I think there's a one-game uh, sample where they were throwing those looks at him. I thought – he did struggle early on, and, and he made some some turnovers early. But I think coming out of halftime and even later on in that first half, I was really impressed with how he started, you know, making the correct reads there and getting the ball out early. Um, as far as Christopher goes, I will say I was very impressed with his handle. I thought he was able to get a lot of the places that he was wanting to go in, in a way that I really didn't even see on tape so much. And um, once he was in those places, though, that's when it kind of – the shot selection wasn't great, especially once he really had to become more of the first option. And I think his passing, he did show some good passing flashes for me that 
you know, maybe once he refines some of his shot selection and, and his handle a little bit more, um, he'll be able to make some of the more difficult passes and get some good pocket passing and, and some good um, cross-court passing. So I was impressed with that. And, and the last thing I really took away, especially from the later games, was um, I felt like Armani Brooks had developed a lot of counters. You know, once he got his shot going, um, he really was able to use his shooting gravity to get by guys and, and make some passes um, kind of off the catch and everything like that. So those are some of the things that I took away um, after those first couple of games. And I think we will see probably Christopher in summer league or not summer league, sorry, in, uh, in RGV. And maybe we'll be able to watch some of those games together as Rockets fans, kind of like we did with the KPJ games last year. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, kind of to close out the first segment, let's get um, the rotation from you guys. Angel, let you go first. Who do you think is going to be the starters uh, to begin the season and who do you think is going to be uh, coming off the bench for those, I would say the first four positions off the bench? Yeah, I, I think it's almost pretty clear in my mind, at least. The the starters opening night will be Wall, KPJ, Green, uh, Christian Wood, and then either Tate or Daniel Tice. Um, that's probably the one position that's that's really up for grabs. There's just no way there you're not going to start your number two overall pick. John Wall has to start, and KPJ really has to start. And then, obviously, Christian Wood has to start. So I really think there's only one spot up for grabs. And then if you're assuming a nine-man rotation, if Eric Gordon's on the team, he's certainly part of the rotation, along with uh, with Daniel House. So that gives you eight. And then probably Daniel Nwaba. David Nwaba. David Nwaba, yeah. excuse me. Yes, uh, so that would be my nine-man rotation on, on, on opening night. And – and I know that leaves out Shingun, so I suspect we'll probably see a ten-man rotation from Stephen yeah. Silas to to make sure Shingun can see the can see the court. Right, Prob, what about you? I mean, about um, about the starting lineup. At first, I didn't really like Thice at the four or at the five with Christian Wood at the four. You know that dynamic. Yeah. Um, I think the rest of it, it's it's pretty much what what Andrew said. It's Wall, KPJ, Green. To me, it's Tyson Wood, not because Tyson is better than Tate, but because I I think Silas trusts Tate to to not take it personally to hit the bench as he as he did that um, at points in the season last year. Because either because the second unit needed some playmaking or or some ball handling or or stuff like that. I think Tate will will slide to to the second unit, not because Thais is better, or even because we need the playmaking, but because I have Sangun playing in the second unit, and I don't think you can play Thais and Sangun at the same time. I don't think Thais uh, spaces the floor enough for that to work. So my my bench unit that is Sangun, uh, Tate, KJ Martin. Um, and then for the beginning of the season, Eric Gordon and I think Augustine will play backup point card for us. Yeah. I, I'm not I'm not sure about that one, but then I have Isn't don't Kevin, you think KPJ will bat will slide over to play point when Wall's out? Yeah, he might. Yeah. I, I think I'm looking at this maybe a little too strict on who plays together. It's that it, it will definitely be a flowing thing. That the, the starting lineup won't play one hundred percent of their minutes um together so i think i think maybe and that might open up some time for 
for us to play. But I definitely think that at some point, I'm not sure how the G League schedule will work this season, but I definitely think that at some point those those rookies, Garuba and, and Josh Christopher will come back up and we'll need some playing time, maybe when, maybe past the deadline, maybe when uh, we don't care about winning as much because I think we, we will try to win to the beginning of the season so the Vets will play. And at, at that point, they might take minutes away from, from these older guys. Um, I th- I'm not sure what to make of Daniel House and, and Nuava because if we're playing them, we're taking minutes away from, from Tate or KJ, right? I, I, can we play them without taking minutes away from those two? Because I think after the end of the season that KJ had and the, the statue that, that the stature that Tate already has within the squad and to Steven Siles, I don't think he's going to touch Tate's minutes. So I think might have some trouble making those two work. I'm not sure how how Sal is going to do it. And that's going to be a good segue into our second section. So we're going to wrap this first section up here and stick with us. We will be right back. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU. All Houston, all original. And welcome back to the Launchpad podcast presented by Apollo Media. Um, once again, we are joined by uh, Prodigy and Andrew Sukup. Um, we, we talked about some rotation stuff and some of the wrap up in the first segment. In the second segment, we're going to talk about um, some potential extensions as well as our Monty Brooks signing and uh, some of the Eric Gordon rumors we saw us last week. So, We'll start with the the house um, news. It uh, came out earlier this week that the Rockets would potentially be interested in bringing Daniel House back, or at least giving him, you know, an extension for a potential trade chip um, if the price was right. Uh, Andrew, we'll start with you. What do you what are your thoughts on on giving House that kind of extension? You know, maybe to potentially use as a trade chip, or even to you know keep him on on. Uh, under contract for a few more years. I have, depending on the price, I would be fine with that. I think House is probably a little bit above replacement value player. He, you know, for the price he's paid, I mean, I think like three and a half, three and a half million dollars, he's fine. Um, if he'd be willing to sign another contract like that, or or a little, you know, not much of a raise, I I'd think about it. But I wouldn't go out of my way to do it because I think, honestly, I think Daniel House is pretty replaceable for an in, for an NBA wing. He's he's a rotation player uh, at six six who can shoot pretty well, play decent defense. But you can find those guys. Um, so if he's going to ask for a big raise, I'd say no. But at a at a reasonable price, sure, why not? Do you think extending him would give him any more value as a trade piece? Like another team would, you know, want him more if he was locked up for a few more years. It, yeah, it probably it probably wouldn't hurt if it's a if it's a reasonable, you know, if a positive value contract. Sure, that would certainly help his help his trade value. But you know, I don't know, Don. What do you think his trade value is right now? A, uh, you know, a mid second round pick. I think that's probably about close to what it would be, unless you just get a, a team that's just in a total pinch for a wing, and they would give you, you know, a, 
a, a late, late first that probably has heavily protections on, or heavy protections on it. Um, that would be, yeah, probably a second rounder, maybe a, a mid, yeah, second rounder, probably not even from a, a team that would wind up being in the lottery. Um, Prod, what's your thoughts on a potential house extension? I mean, I mean, to me, to me, a house extension, the key won't really be the money. I think if he wants guaranteed money, I'm not willing to go over what he earns right now. But it, I wouldn't be three, willing 3. to go three point seven right now. This current yeah, I wouldn't be willing to go right. over that. I wouldn't be willing to go over three point five. I mean, it's hundred k doesn't matter. But just, yeah. this ties into what I'm going to say next. That I'd be willing to give him like up to four point five if he's willing to make the salary non guaranteed or something like that. Because I think flexibility is the key, and I think that any extension that he gets cannot have guaranteed money past uh, the expiry of John Wall's contract. I think that's the key. I think any extension or any signing that we make should have an opt-out by that point because we're setting up to have cap space that year and we, we really don't want to be, I don't know, four million short on signing someone on, 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 on a max slot or something like that. I think it's mostly from creating an, from the creating an exit standpoint because I don't think he's here long-term. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's probably it. I'd be fine with it as long as it's either non-guaranteed or it ends before 2023, 2024. Yeah, um, so the next thing we're going to touch on is um, Armani Brooks was brought back by the Rocket um, on an Exhibit 10 deal. Um, we'll go back to Prod. What are your thoughts on, on bringing Brooks back? Um, do you like the Exhibit 10? Would you like to have extended him for a few years like in better you know team control yeah i mean to me i want i know people will have argued with me that doesn't make a difference but to me he should have a kj martin jay shantay carry thomas type deal if you can lock him into that i know he's restricted with this deal and this basically what this deal means is that he gets into training camp and that He's still restricted in that after training camp, they have to make the decision between giving him a two-way, opening up a roster spot, or not not having him at all. So I know there's the argument to have him as a two-way. I don't know. I really want to have, have him as, as, as one of those small deals because I think it would be encouraging to him to have that deal. And I think between those bottom of the bottom of the list of, of roster spot guys I think he's one of the ones that you we're going to have that has the most upside because he has a very defined role he's a sharp shooter and he's the youngest of them all between him Lamb and Kyrie Thomas and maybe I mean if we're training Daniel has then that solves the problem but I don't think that's coming just yet probably at the deadline so he's definitely someone I'd like to have on a on a longer term deal but I, don't know, I, I guess I see the point of, of keeping the, the options there. Andrew, what, what are your thoughts on, on bringing Brooks back on the Exhibit 10? Uh, I was ha- very happy to see them. They, they locked him up in one way or another. Um, he's, he's got one absolute NBA skill that he's shown, and maybe the most important one. So, you know, He's, he's got a potential place in the NBA. Um, and it seems clear that they're setting up 
a competition between Kyrie, Thomas, Armani, and I guess Lamb for the last actual roster spot on, on the Rockets. Um, you know, Kyrie Thomas's deal is non-guaranteed, so he could be cut and moved to a two-way if they decide to go with with Brooks. Um, so among the three of them, I, I don't think uh, Matthew Hurt is is actually going to stick around. Um, so yeah, I'm happy to see Brooks. I'm less positive about that he's going to stick than because frankly, he kind of reminds me of Troy Daniels from years ago. If you guys you guys remember. Yeah. Also, another great shooter who couldn't do a whole lot else. Supposed um, to, but we'll see. But yeah, absolutely glad to see, have him here for training camp and preseason, and you know, hopefully he can he can go out and win a job. Yeah, and kind of kind of going back to that Troy Daniels comparison. One of the things I touched on in that first segment was I really did like in that summer league game, the, the last one where he, he went off against Portland. Um, he did do a lot off the catch, right? Where once he he got hot, he was driving the ball into the lane and making some good kickout passes like that. And I think you are right that he is going to need to show more of that part of his game if he is going to, to stick. But, I mean, the, the shooting is just it's undeniable. I mean, you watch that Portland game, and he was just making some crazy shots. So if, if he can at least have that transfer, I think that's worthy of a roster spot, especially given the, the level of shooting that's on this Rockets team right now. I mean, Jalen Green, he shot the lights out in, in um, the summer league. And – Eric Gordon, who, you know, still on the roster as much as people have, have already kind of, you know, prepared to ship him out, is a good shooter as well. But you just really don't have that guy on this team where it's like this is the guy that's going to come in and hit shots. You know, K.J. Martin had some good shooting stretches last year. K.P.J. obviously had the 50-point game. D.J. Augustine has had some some good shooting stretches. But you just don't really have that guy that is the, the shooting specialist. I think there is is a place for that on this roster. You know, not a roster that – is going to be super competitive this year, you know, no matter what. But, you know, projecting out a few years, I think gambling on shooting does have, have some of its positives. Um, if you can bring some of those skills along. Um, kind of circling back around there, what I, what I just briefly touched on was we did see a report this week from, from Tim McMahon that Wall is likely to be here through the rest of the season just because of, of the value of his deal. But Eric Gordon is someone that has, you know, some potential interest around the league and, even though the Rockets weren't able to get a deal done for him um, during the draft, which, you know, then rumored Indiana was interested in, and potentially some other teams. Um, what do y'all think about Eric Gordon's trade market? Do y'all think he's going to be around here through the end of the season to the trade deadline? You know, what, what are y'all's thoughts on that? Um, Praj, we'll start with you again. Uh, I mean, about Eric Gordon, I was disappointed that the Clippers went for, for Bledsoe over him. Um I think for 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 Eric Gordon, I, I would take any level of expiring money and a, a really small asset. I, I don't need a elite first, like some people say. I just need a, a second round pick or something like that. I I, I kind of put together a little list of like really quick uh, potential trades matters that please don't flame me. I, there's not too too much thought put into these, but. I think if it's he would fit really well with the Pelicans, but there's prior history there, so that's definitely a no go because the fans hate him and and everything because of what he pulled when he was there. This is the new front office though for the Pelicans, but, but that yeah, but the fans so don't far. forget. 
Uh, I think I think if the front office wanted to over overpower that, they thought, saw him as like a way to you know keep Zion. They're really in a crunch situation where if they can't keep Zion happy by being somewhat competitive, I mean they they may be in, in real dire straits. But uh, sorry, yeah, and the continue sh- on, continue on, bro. The shooting is the shooting would help them and the creator of the bench would help them. And let's not forget that Eric Gordon is a really good defender as well. So. He he's really the all-around package. He's he's not a great playmaker. I think that's his main weakness. But other than that, he's what you want out of a six-man out of the bench. Um, I came up with with Sacramento, like for for Bagley and I don't know Tristan Thompson. That would be uh, like a shot in the dark for Bagley, who has been linked in trade rumors forever. And Tristan Thompson is what I said, some expiring salary. So that might be a thing now that. I don't know. I think if they go for for Simmons, especially though, they could value. Um, they they were ruled Gordon's out of the Simmons sweeps. Oh, they were earlier. Yeah, um, I think that was Sam Amick. Um, let me double check that. But yeah, that was that was mainly like the the thought behind it. If they went for Simmons, they would need the shooting, yeah. so that could work. Um, Sam Amick, yeah, Washington. Our attribution right it was Sam Amick on that report. So yeah, okay. Um, then I went through some teams just looking at expiring deals and see if, if you would somewhat fit. Washington has um, Montreal, Thomas Bryant, and Kyle Kuzma, who might, who like two of those in a deal would reach Gordon's salary if they wanted a piece like Gordon. And they seem to be in a weird state where they don't know if they're rebuilding and they don't know if they're contending. So you can never like predict Washington who would have thought they would they would be in the in play for the NWD. So um Indiana was the big rumor, but I think with and the the expiring contracts that they needed to match salary are still there with Jeremy Lamb, uh Goga Bedatze and one other minimum salary guy. But I think with the guy they drafted that I can't quite remember right now. Chris Duarte. Yeah with Duarte I don't think Gordon really fits that anymore. Um, some some a really underrated destination to me would be Boston, who now has Josh Richardson and has Kristen. I think Gordon would bring a lot more than either of those two will for Boston if they're trying to contend. So I think that's really an option, and they have a lot of those low end rookies, mid first mid first round in their draft rookies that we might want to take a fire on. Who knows? Um, then there's there's the Mori the Mori side of things. Mori has Danny, Danny Green earning ten million a year. He has Corkmas, who's a sharp shooter, so he fits a need. And then, like I don't know, this probably is too much value for Eric Gordon. But then one of the rookies that they have, like Isaiah Joe or or Maxi or the guy that Itamar wanted to take, I always forget his name, uh, Springer. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and then there's a really easy one that might make sense, but they also just signed a shooting guard. That's Toronto. Toronto has Dragic, and Dragic doesn't want to be there. So it's an easy one-for-one swap, and then we can just buy out Dragic, and Dragic can go whatever whatever he wants to go and chase a ring somewhere. So I think that's an easy one-for-one swap with a second-round pick that helps Toronto if they want to be good right now, and they don't really lose anything. Now that's an interesting one that I hadn't considered before, Prod the the Raptors and it allows them to dump Dragic. It's a, a as an extending contract. We could flip him for something to the Mavs. 
where yeah. he very much wants to go squeeze, uh, you know, get a second round for Toronto from Toronto and then get another second round from the Mavs in return um, is a, is an interesting play. It's really been, I was disappointed. I didn't think Gordon, I was positive Gordon was going to be traded before the deadline last year, if he hadn't gotten hurt because um, mm-hmm. he was playing so well, they were clearly going for a tank, but his, uh, his hamstring injury ruined those plans. And the trade market for him really seemed to dry up with the draft and the early free agency moves. So at the moment, Eric Gordon is the guy who's left standing when the music stops. Uh, you know, until you th- thought of the uh, Toronto idea, I'm not. I wasn't sure where a spot really was for Eric Gordon right now. And it's a, we're gonna have to wait until the trade deadline to see what happens in the first half of the season. And who uh, who's really looking for uh, a veteran shooting guard at that point? I think the one thing that would make it difficult to flip uh, Dragic back to uh, the Mavericks is they don't have a lot of mid-tier salary. Um, I think that would require them giving up maybe Kleber and Dwight Powell, maybe. maybe. Yeah. So it's gonna it, it's gonna take something along those lines, and they they may be able to to you know try to. Get, they may be able to try to get to that number with some of the smaller salaries, but that, that's difficult with the Houston's roster crunch as well. But I think yeah, we don't, the front, we don't the front part of that idea. Of... Yeah, exactly. I think the front part of that idea, at least at least moving Gordon to Toronto, I think that there's a lot of potential there. The Mavericks part may be a little more far off, but it depends on if maybe they can make that some type of you know multi-team trade and, and really you know, flesh out some of that salary in different directions. Um, but yeah, I think that's going to do it for our second segment. Um, some, some good thoughts in there. We'll be right back in a minute for, for segment three, talking about win total projection for next, next season and um, how competitive we want the team to be. So stick with us. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU. All Houston, all original. And welcome back to the Launchpad Podcast presented by Apollo Media. Once again, we're joined by Andrew Sukup and Prodigy. Uh, Apollo Media contributor. I'm your host, Don Nock, also uh, Apollo Media contributor. Uh, we've had some good discussion up to this point. Um, we'll, we'll see if we can keep it going in this final segment. Um, the first thing we're going to touch on, we're going to do win total projection for next season. Um, just as a refresher, the Rockets had uh, the worst record in the league last season. Um, not fun for all of us had to sit through, you know, 20 losses, but uh, maybe they'll be more competitive this season. Maybe they'll be pushing for a playing spot. Um, we will just have to see. But what are y'all's thoughts initially? Do you think they're going to, you know, exceed? the? the I think the Vegas line was uh, 25 wins. So do y'all think they're going to exceed the Vegas line? Do you think they're going to be pushing for a playing spot? Um, Andrew, we'll start with you, our, our esteemed guest. Give us some of your thoughts on where you think the, the win projection will be for the Rockets this season. Yeah, when the over-under line came in, I think, you know, 25, my first thought was um, clearly under. But when you look at it, you know, the 17-55 and 55 record they had last year translates in a full 82-game season to exactly 25 wins. So Vegas is assuming they're the same relative uh, 
level of, of quality as they were last year. But when you look at everything that happened last year, I, it's hard for me to see how they're actually going to be, you know, relatively worse than, than they went through last year with the, with the injuries, the hardened, all the hardened things. And then in the last couple months of deliberate tanking. So I'm going to change and say, go over the, the 25. I don't think they get to 30, but I think they actually will get over 25. Okay, Prodigy, what are your thoughts on, on that? Let's, I think that Vegas over-under line is a good demarcator there. So, so you, are you going to go over or under? And uh, what are your thoughts on, on how the yeah. team is going to go? I think that, that's a really good point, that if you translate, the, if you convert the, the short season into a full season, that it's actually 25 wins. But I also think that while – that number was lower than expected because of injuries. It was also higher than expected because I think that that 10 game winning streak or that 10 game, yeah, that was a 10 game winning streak, right? Or a those six th- game win streak. A six, six. game win streak. Yeah, six but we were, we were 10 and 11 or 10 and 10. Yeah. So I think, I think that also was a fluke and that we weren't that good of a team and that pushing the other way, uh, that's also a fluke. So we had 17 wins, but if you didn't have that really good start, then I don't think we were a team good enough to reach those 17 wins last season with the shortened schedule. That being said, I think to me, 25 wins is is hitting like the nail on the head. I think we'll be below um, below 30 wins. I think we'll be over 20 wins. Um, I think our maximum number of wins is probably like 35. Because I think at some point during the season or at the deadline, we won't be close enough to fight for a playing spot. So we're probably going to sell on on Gordon or and any of the vets that have any market to them. And at that point, even if we were headed to a, a 30 win season or a 35 win season, at that point, that latter half of the season will will tank the record. So yeah, I, I think over 20, below 30 is probably my my projection. So I'm gonna gonna be the the homer here. I'm gonna say that they're going to go over the 25, and I'm going to say they're going to get between 29 and 32 wins. Um, I think the one thing that is kind of crucial to note here is that there is not a lot of teams that are trying to be bad, right? The Timberwolves want to be competitive, you know, for the first time since Butler was there. The Kings want to be competitive for the first time in you know almost two decades. Um, Pelicans need to be competitive to keep Zion, you know, in the building and not, you know, lusting after after the Knicks and Madison, Madison Square Garden. Um, and then you have, you know, the usual suspects, the Jazz, Suns, Nuggets, Clippers, Mavericks, Blazers, Lakers, Grizz, Warriors. Warriors are probably a lot better. The one team I could see taking a significant step back is probably the Spurs, who they were um, a 46 percent win rate last year I think they may slide a little bit without Aldridge and DeRozan you know kind of leaning into some of the youth movement there and and they took a guy who's he looked good in Josh Primo you know in summer league but he he is a very young player so it will be a little bit of adjustment period for him but I think if if Kevin Porter Jr. is able to take a most improved player type of leap we get more consistent playing time out of Christian Wood you know maybe KJ Martin is able to kind of progress in his development as well as Jay Sean Tate, you know, Tice having him for the full season versus we only had Kelly for the second half of the season last year. 
I think a lot of those guys can make some contributions, even if we were to move guys like Gordon, House, um, and Augustine. You know, those guys will probably be there, you know, the first couple of months, and, and we could rack up a few wins um, in certain situations, you know, playing some of the Eastern teams that aren't as good, maybe get some wins there. But I think, you know, if we expect some of these guys to, to make the leap that we've been expecting to, you know, a lot of these guys look good in summer league, including, you know, Armani Brooks, um, KJ Martin, and, and some of the rookies as well. You know, Jalen Green looked very good. If you're getting, you know, some, what some people projected, you know, oh, Jalen Green's going to come in and be a 20-point scorer right away. Well, you know, that's going to have a substantial impact, especially when you have some of these other guys like Wall, Wood, um, KPJ surrounding him. If he can score 20 points a game, they're going to stumble into a few wins. And, and that's just the way I kind of see it going. You know, defense may be another monster there, but, you know, Tice does have some good rim protection. If Christian Wood can make a defensive leap, then you're really looking at, you know, KPJ as the guy that needs to improve law defense for them to get a few more wins than people are kind of expecting going in. Um, and that kind of rolls into our last topic here. Um, do y'all want them to, to make a lot of those moves early, you know, with Gordon, say, uh, DJ Augustine and, you know, even house, or do y'all want them to try to, you know, remain competitive to get a lot of these young players some time, you know, we saw the Suns even though they didn't make the playoffs in the bubble year, you can really see how, you know, even being in a competitive race for that last playoff spot really helped them roll into the next season where a lot of guys made that leap to, to become, you know, quality contributors in a playoff setting. So what are y'all's thoughts on, on kind of those two mentalities of, of sell off as early as possible versus, you know, try to stay in that playing race, even if they're a little bit further back. Um, probably go to you first. Yeah, to me, it might be surprising, but to me, I think we hold on to the vets until the deadline because at the deadline is where you get the better deals when you're a seller. Um, yeah. But I, I do think we're going to be a really, like a really fun team to watch and we're going to make losing look fun, <laughs> as bad as that sounds, uh, because I think we'll be a really good team offensively that's really fun to watch with a lot of dunks a lot of style a lot of charisma uh we have a lot of flashy players i think will be a really fun team but i think at the end of the day on the defensive end we won't be able to to hold our own because yeah we can we can judge these rookies oh they're, they're okay defenders but at the end of the day there's a lot of a lot more to nba defense than how good you are one-on-one -on -one with your matchup and how and i think i think we we see how teams with a lot of rookies always struggle because there's a lot more to the game than what our casual eyes see, you know? So that there's a reason they struggle. Um, that being said, I mean, I think, I think there's only one strategy. You take it to the deadline and try to be as good as you can until the deadline. And then at that point you make the decision to me personally, I love the draft. I love, scouting so it's a lot more fun to me if we're bad and we have to scout going into next season but yeah. I do think there's definitely merit to being good enough to make the play-in I just think you take if we're bad you take the um, you you go from a team like the Suns who have some young talent but not an overwhelming amount of young talent to a team like the Hawks who has a lot of young talent and is already really good 
and once you reach that state you can start contending and have an extra amount of young assets that you acquired before and you can afford for some of them to fail if if we're good this season but some of these rookies end up not paying out i don't think we have enough talent yet to be to be comfortably a playoff team because we're trying to build a team that's going to go to the playoffs another eight years not a team that's going to go to the playoffs once and then flame out and then restart the rebuild when the Thunder have our picks. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Andrew, let's get your thoughts to, to um, kind of sum up where you want to see the direction of the team, you know, being competitive versus not, and then we'll roll into uh, our closing. So, yeah, I think when it comes to like, you know, trade the veterans, I think you take the first deal that comes along for Gordon that puts him into a good situation. You know, just like they took care of, of PJ Tucker after Harding got him into a good situation. I, I think it would be good if they did the same thing with Gordon, put him into a good situation as well, assuming, you know, such a deal is on the table from, from someone and it's at least a you know neutral value for the Rockets. And if that comes up during training camp and camp occasionally, you know, that occasionally that that's a window Great. Otherwise, it's probably not until the deadline, and that's fine. Um, in terms of trying to be good or not, I think they just play it straight. The emphasis should be on developing their their young guys, seeing if Christian Wood actually can become a true All Star player or not. Because you know, end of next year is when you have to make a decision on extending Christian Wood. Does he make a leap to a legitimate all-star or even more a higher level player than that? Or does he kind of stay where he is now, you know, quasi maybe all-star? So what do we really have in Christian Wood? So, you know, making that understanding that is great important for both him and the and the team. Um, so play it straight. I don't think they're gonna have to worry about playoffs or or play-in tournament because their backcourt defense is gonna be horrible with with Porter and Green. Um, KP's really got to make some strides in that, in that, on that side, uh, this year. So I'm hoping by the end of the year, we see some significant improvement from both him and, and green. And so they, you know, we, we, we come out of the season thinking, yes, these guys can be good, good defensive players in addition to you know, their offensive brilliance. So that's what, you know, what I'm hoping to see. I just don't they you know, don't try to give away games, but. I you know I just think naturally they're not going to be able to reach even a play in a play in slot this year, and that's fine. Yeah, I wanted yeah. To, to sneak something in just just yeah. before I don't know yeah if what we have left to do, but I just wanted to sneak in that uh, let's not forget that next year's draft fits perfectly with what this year's draft didn't have. This year's draft was really high on guards, had a lot of good guards, had a lot of project picks. Next year has a lot of good small forwards, has a, guard, a lot of good power forwards, namely uh, Banchero, that's my number one guy right now. And I feel like it's it's just a perfect timeline. You go into next year and the draft pra- practically fills up what you're lacking already. You know, as so I think, I think it's also, we also got really lucky on the two years that we will supposedly be bad at least for. No, I think that's a great point. Um, Andrew, you want to say one more thing? I was just a follow up. I was just that's yep. exactly where I was going because Max, another top five lottery pick in 2022, really is what they they should want to set the foundation 
for you know the back half of the decade for the franchise. An- another another you know high probability shot at getting a solid rotation may or and potential star player is what was really going to set the franchise up for the next era of success. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I think probably kind of touched on it earlier of it is kind of critical to get the tanking in while we don't owe the Thunder our pick. I think everyone will not soon forget the the feeling that we had on draft lottery night, you know, just hoping and praying that that pick didn't fall to five and the Thunder were over there, you know, doing being the ones celebrating, you know, potentially two top five picks. And obviously they did not go the, the way that they wanted to. Thankfully, you know, Jalen Green is a rocket and looking very good in Rockets red, but capitalizing on those two years that uh, we don't owe the Thunder our picks is going to be very critical in maximizing our probably like next seven or eight year window for sure. But um, that's going to do it for today. You know, much thanks to Andrew for coming in, uh, joining us tonight. It was a little bit short notice. So I'll, I'll give him you know, a little shout out there. I think he did amazing for, for the little short notice we gave him. Um, but once again, thank you for coming on. Thank you for uh, being part of the Apollo Media family for at least, you know, a short time here. Um, and I will say, um, probably will let you do some plugs first. Um, what do you have? What are you working on? Um, where can people find you? Yeah, I'll be I'll be working with Apollo on articles and podcasts like this one. So if you wanna if you wanna stay tuned to that, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, probably without the I on Twitter with a three instead of the last E. And yeah, stay tuned. Perfect. And Andrew, are you working on anything or anything you know people can you know look at you for in the coming weeks or if not, you know, just plug your socials and, and where people can you know follow yeah, you. Just you could just. Like that. You can just find me on Twitter uh, at uh, ASUKUP, Texas, A-S-O-U-K-U-P-T-X. Uh, find me on there. Almost, almost all uh, rockets with some with some Astros and a few other a few other things thrown in. Perfect. And once again, thanks for thanks for joining us tonight. Um, so you did a great job, and, and I still thought you did a great job when you were on with Jackson uh, a few months ago. So I just want to throw that in there as well. Obviously, you can follow me at Don Knock on Twitter and on Green Room as well. We may be getting after some Green Rooms coming up. Um, we may get, be getting after some uh, Twitter spaces as well. We're going to be doing some town halls with some of the, the big Rockets accounts y'all love to follow. We have a, a little chat going. We're going to try to organize those a little bit closer to training camp. We're going to try to work around the NFL schedule, so hopefully we won't you know, be trying to go up against you know, like a Texan game or a big marquee game. So we're going to try to find a time on those. Once we do have a time, We'll let y'all know, but stay posted for that. And other than that, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review uh, on Apple or Spotify. Give us some feedback. We'd love to get listener input as well to help us get better. Don't forget to follow the pod at Apollo Launchpad, as well as the Apollo HOU flagship account. And we have blogs, pods, articles, some awesome Houston merch. We've got a lot of notoriety for the merch recently. The the uh, Houston versus everyone shirts have been really been popping off lately, and the Astros even – you know, tried to come with a, a competitive rival shirt for that. Um, thanks for thanks for listening, and we look forward to having y'all back next time.